Welcome back to another episode of the 704 Cast. I'm your host, Matt Wood. And joining me as always is Wes Bowman and Corey Adams. It's never a dull moment here in Pantherland as Frank Reich, Steve, uh, Scott Fitterer, and David Tepper have put together one hell of a coaching staff. We'll look at the new hires, mainly focus on Josh McCown, Jim Caldwell, Thomas Brown, and we'll mention some of the other guys. Uh, and then later in the show, we will talk a little bit about the press conferences today from Frank Wright and Jim Caldwell. Wes and Corey, how are you guys doing? And how about this damn staff? Doing good, man. I couldn't be happier about the staff. I, I think going into all of this, you really couldn't have hoped for a better staff. You've got a, a great head coaching candidate, one who has ton, a lot of NFL experience. You've got a guy on the staff in Caldwell, who you also interviewed for the head coaching job and were very interested in for that. Um, you've got a, the, arguably the top defensive coordinator of this whole coaching cycle. Uh, him, him and Fangio, for sure, were the two. Were the two. You've got um, a McVay coaching tree, offensive coordinator. And you've got your offensive line and special teams coaches back that were kind of a priority for us. And, and you filled the staff out with, I think I saw 266 years of total NFL experience. It just, you, you couldn't have done it better. I don't think. Yeah. Um, I have zero complaints um, about anything that's transpired since Frank Reich's been hired. Um, you want to talk about going above and beyond my wildest dreams or expectations for, for what a Frank Reich hire would look like. And and that's, it has been this whirlwind of two weeks that, that we've been through as Panthers fans. And, and, and unlike the whirlwinds of the past where you're just kind of like hitting your head against the wall, like this is like, is this really happening? Is this, is this really the Panthers that I, that I love? Is this really what they're doing right now? Because everything's just been home run after home run after home run. Um, and I don't think that you can really overstate the staff. Um, I don't think that we as fans are falling into that trap of, of getting too excited about it because it is such a good staff. Um, and it's unlike anything that we've ever had here. Um, we've had good staffs, but this just um, – this from day one, this has been – if not the best, is going to be the best staff that, that we've ever had. And um, the mix of ages, the mix of styles, the mix of um, just personalities is is just is something to marvel at. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a unique approach that we're just not used to. Um, and, man, I, I'm just – I love every bit of it. I can't talk enough about the staff. So I'm excited for this pod tonight to, to dive into it um, with you guys and – um, just an attaboy to to David Tepper, Scott Fitterer, and, and Frank Reich. Man, you guys are, are, are killing it. Yeah, I think this is the uh, high level of staff that Panthers fans hope for in the last go-around. You know, we, we did things uh, non-traditionally uh, last time, and, you know, we know how that ended. And then you look at the level of just coaching experience, Super Bowl experience that's on this staff that Frank has assembled. And he, he mentioned today, and I don't want to get too much into it um, with us talking about it later, but uh, Frank said that Tepper let him do all the hiring and, you know, he just kind of put his, his checkbook where his mouth was. You know, he's, he's preached about wanting to bring a winner and wanting to win so bad, but 
this is your first step to doing that. And, and so far Dave, Frank and Scott have done one hell of a job on, on putting together this uh, unique staff and has definitely changed the narrative of the Carolina Panthers across the league. And also, you know, just kind of changed the opinion of, of uh, what this job was. And, and, you know, the, 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 comments that came with you know working for a Dave Depper or anything like that um in years past so uh first first name you want to touch on here uh, I, I guess we'll kind of try to go in order but uh we'll, we'll we'll focus on Josh McCown uh getting hired as quarterbacks coach uh, you look at a guy who is coached in the Charlotte area in high school and um ha- has you know tried to get into the coaching uh, ranks in the NFL he's he's interviewed for head coaching jobs he there was a flirtation with the Texans uh, I think last year, or the year before, and if you watch uh, some of the work he's done with Josh Norris on uh, the, on their Twitter channel and YouTube, um, with uh, Scheme, where he breaks down a, a lot of the top quarterback prospects in this draft, there's a lot to like about this hire and about what can bring to the table. It, I think when you look at a guy like Josh McCown and really. The issue in, and if you want to call it really an issue with the staff is, um, you know, how long are we going to have some of these guys? Um, a guy like Josh, who's already interviewed a couple of times for the Texans job. And I think, you know, if optics weren't such an issue in today's NFL, he probably would have been the, the Texans hire. Um, but with the lawsuits and, and everything and the, the, the big push, the, proper push to hire, you know, minority uh, coaches. I, I don't think that the Texans could have, could have done what they, what they wanted to do and, and hired him um, at the time. Um, but we've got him now and he's our coach. And like you said, you listen to the guy talk, you listen to him break players down, you listen to him break film down and um, you understand why uh, people would be excited about him and front office would be excited about him. And to have him in here, you know, mixing it up with Thomas Brown and Parks Frazier um, and Frank Reich and Deuce Staley on the offensive staff to have a guy like that um, and to really mold him and grow him into an eventual offensive coordinator. Um, I hope it's with us um, eventually um, because, I mean, that's going to be a common theme over the next couple of years is a bunch of these guys are going to be interviewed because these are the young up-and-comers. These are the next wave. These, these are – this is a staff full of guys who um, other owners are going to be trying to poach. Um, and I think that's that's what you want in a staff. You don't want a bunch of dudes who are going to stick around because nobody wants them. You want people who are on the cutting edge, on the front lines of innovation. Um, and I think Josh is, is that new wave. Josh is that the younger – I mean, younger for a coach. Um, you know, I think it was 16 years in the NFL. That's instant pedigree, um, no matter who you are coming out um, as a player, when Josh McCown's talking, you're going to listen because this guy did something correct. He stayed in the NFL for 16 plus years um, and he knows what it's about. He knows what it takes to be successful. Um, Maybe he couldn't physically do all the things that some of these guys are going to be able to do, but he knows how to coach. Um, He knows how to be in that room. Um, He knows how to prepare and work. So um, I'm excited for, you know, any of the young quarterbacks that we're going to, we're going to get in here to, to flourish under his tutelage. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't have said it better. I, I think, I mean, with Josh, you're getting somebody who played the quarterback position and I'll use the term played lightly there at the end, but played the quarterback position was in the quarterback room in the NFL for 
almost 20 years. Um, and I mean, that, that kind of experience is just extremely valuable, especially if you're going to go out and draft a rookie and, and try and develop him and build around him. I think that it's just, it's hard to do better than that for, for a, a guy to bring in and coach your, your quarterbacks. So I, I don't have much else to add there other than that's just, that's, that's what you want. Yeah. When you have the experience, uh, like Corey mentioned, the 16 years in the NFL, you know, you can come in and, and, and he can teach those guys. Obviously the plan in place, if you're just looking at this on the, from the outside in is, you know, they have guys who has either played quarterback or have experience with developing quarterbacks. And so clearly the direction that you would think going into the draft is that, Hey, these guys are going to try to, to find their guy and uh, make a, make a pick in the draft, whether they move up or whether they stay at nine. And, uh, you know, Josh has ties to the area, like I mentioned, and he's also played quarterback here for this franchise uh, when he was on the roster. Corey, you mentioned it about, you know, if you have those guys that get hired away, you know, you want to be an attractive destination. I think one of the big things is, is, is trying to have that replacement on staff already. Um, so if Thomas Brown does get a head coaching opportunity, which more than likely will come from both of our coordinators at the moment, you know, you have somebody in place where you can just slide them in and still kind of keep the, the same scheme in place. And, and that's a, a great possibility there with, with Josh uh, potentially flourishing and, and moving into that role in the future. Yeah, um, and Thomas Brown's another one. Um, coming in from a McVay staff, um, when Sean McVay is calling you um, the best teacher, um, one of the best communicators, uh, one of the best up-and-coming coaches who's ever been around, you know, that's that's pretty big, and that's coming from Sean McVay. So um, that's great praise for our new offensive coordinator and somebody who – was it's kind of a, it was a weird situation in Los Angeles, and from everything I've read um, since the hire and even before the hire, Sean McVay doesn't hire people for coordinator positions from inside the building. I don't know why. I think maybe to you know he calls the offense, so uh, you know I, I don't know. I don't know what the thinking is behind that. Um, but he was a tight ends coach and then switched over to running backs coach. And when you saw him switch over to the running backs, that's when Cam Akers like kind of reemerged in, in, in that time period. So um, you're seeing a theme. And if you haphazardly listen to our older podcast, you might get confused about me saying this, but um, there's a point. And with Thomas Brown, it's about, you know, the running game, picking your spots, um, with the way defenses are moving to you, you have to combat certain situations, certain scenarios with smart runs. Um, and it's not necessarily a pass happy offensive side of the ball that's being built when you look at Frank Reich and when you look at guys like Thomas Brown. But the difference from the past, a guy like Ben McAdoo or, you know, Mike Shula is. These guys are innovative in the running game. I can't say that enough. Innovation in the running game. Um, it's creating angles. It's creating leverage. It's creating space where there is no space. It's using shifts, motions, different personnel packages. It's throwing different looks at the defense um, to get those 
critical yards and 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 move the ball. It's not just lining up your guys and you know saying we're going to run straight at you. That that is the difference. And that's when when I say I hate you know boring football, I don't mean I hate running the ball. I, I hate the way we ran the ball, <laughs> for lack of a better way. So um, I, I you know it's pick your shots. It's we're going to have deep shots. I mean with Frank Reich, you're going to have a lot of intermediate stuff. You're going to have um, you know lots of second level progressions and passes. So um, I'm excited for this molding and this melding of offensive minds and, and the ultimately the product they put on the field as a conglomeration, um, if you will, I don't know if that's a word, but like, uh, you know, a, a, a melting pot of all these different aspects and, and perspectives on offensive football. And the ultimate product is, is you know, when Frank talked in his presser today about, he didn't want yes men. He, he wanted people that would challenge each other and, and work together to build the best thing we have. Um, if they've got that done and they're going to work together and they're going to um, create the best product, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch. And I, I'm, I'm extremely, extremely, extremely – I've not been this excited about the direction of the Panthers in a very, 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 very long time. Yeah, I mean – But that's – man, excited. Yeah, I mean, we're. I think. I think most of the, the the fan base is excited, and and for good reason. And one little nugget I forgot about McCown that I was going to mention. Does anyone remember what quarterback room he was a part of in his last full season? Who the two other two quarterbacks were? Was it Cleveland? No, last full season. Oh God, well, he's played for so many teams. I would either say Cleveland or Jets. It was Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold. There it is. In the New York Jets. That was the last – just just a little hole, a full circle to bring it on home <laughs> to the Panthers world there. That that was something I was going to add as a fun little nugget for uh, for McCown. But, um, yeah, for – but on to Thomas Brown. Um, anybody who Sean McVay is upset to lose, that that should, should be enough to raise your eyebrows. I don't um, – I don't know a whole lot about his the, the scheme he would want to run. Um, personally, I haven't I haven't had time to look at look at that that stuff yet. But the, just the McVay coaching tree, I mean that's a, that's that's a good one there. So yeah, it's not like LA wanted to lose him. Um, by all reporting out there, is that they were going to bring him back as a running backs coach. And and Corey, you mentioned that about Cam Akers. I mean, when he switched back over to that room, I, I mean. Cam Akers looked like a different player. This is a guy who couldn't get on the field, um, was getting, you know, outworked by Daryl Henderson. And, uh, you know, those guys, he basically had been relegated to, you know, three or four carries a game. And then is coming back and, and having 80, 90 yard rushing games at the end of the year. So I, I, I think that aspect is key in this. And also, uh, you know, the hiring of Deuce Staley, you know, everybody, obviously knows about uh, the job Jeff Nixon did with the running backs last year, and he may still remain on staff, but, you know, potentially as a, a tight ends coach. Um, that that job has not been filled yet. But I, I think if you you got somebody like Deuce Staley back there and then you got Thomas Brown, another guy who has played running back at, in, at Georgia. He played running back in the NFL until he suffered a, a career-ending injury. You know, having that, just like we talked about with the quarterback position, that's, that's key, you know, to have – younger backs which we do have or you know not counting Dante Foreman with his contract situation but you know it, it's the same as as running I mean excuse me as quarterback you know you you want to have guys who have played that position before who have been successful uh, at that position and know what they're talking about and with Deuce Staley alongside you know Thomas Brown I mean 
feel very confident about uh, our running game, regardless of who the starter is. Yeah, and with Deuce, I mean, I think a common theme for a, a lot of the coaches' hires is is that you know the the word that you know people on the internet love, but it's clout. You know, these dudes all have clout. I mean, every, you know, I grew up watching Deuce Staley. You know, and that these players are going to know who Deuce Staley is, and um, you know, a name. I don't know if we want to spend too much time on, but a guy like D'Angelo Hall. I mean, that's. You know, these all have these are all guys with experience and instant credibility in any room that they walk in. Um, and with a guy like Deuce, you want to talk about like molding of different personalities. You know, you got like on one hand, you've got Thomas Brown, who's like an excitable young guy, but who is like by all accounts is like an excellent communicator. And then you've got like Jim Caldwell, who man is just articulate. And and I listened to his presser today, and man, he's just like I could probably listen to that guy talk for hours like he just seems so smart and just has so much knowledge um and you, you instantly are, are want to listen to him and then you got a guy like deuce who's just man if you watched hard knocks like is like just a freaking you know fireball man like it's I, training camp's gonna be fun and i tell you what pay their social media team you guys cannot give us enough content like there's no such thing as too much content coming out give us everything that you can give us these these next months we want it all so I, i'm i'm yeah it's i can't say i'm excited enough i'm excited I'm just giddy. i'm giddy i'm giddy right now let's get bill both on the line see see what uh what content we can get out there content, <laughs> content. i was geeked up for the pressers today <laughs> I wish I could have watched. I, I I saw some good stuff. One of the things that that intrigued me was the that I, I'm sorry. I don't know if we're going to get into pressers yet, but uh, I'll hold off on that till later. <laughs> yeah, well, a few more minutes. Um, shifting gears a little bit. Talk, Corey, you brought it up. Jim Caldwell um, today. Uh, if there was ever a reality going into this offseason where I approached you and said, "Hey, the Panthers are going to get three of their head coaching candidates on staff." I mean, what what would your initial thoughts have been? Great, great, but it, I would have been like Tepper opened up that paper that that pocketbook. I mean, I would have told you he just overpaid two coordinators. Yeah, I mean, Jim Caldwell, like you could have not convinced me that that would be that he would come because, by all accounts, he was like, "I'm not taking anything unless it's a head coaching job." Um, so to, to land him, I mean, you want to talk about respect around the league? Like I think every single like 32 NFL teams would love to have Jim Caldwell on staff. We were just the first people who made it happen. Yeah. And he said, did you see where he said that now he's no longer wanting to be a head coach? This is, this is it. This is what he wants to do. Yeah. I, I mean, I, he's supposed to say, he's supposed to say that, but like, I mean, at his age, you kind of you kind of believe that too. Watching the presser, I, I mean, I don't want to say he, I don't want to say he said that directly. As a, I would say that he kind of said, "I'm going to be where I'm at," and um, he said it was a perfect fit for him. And his apparently his whole family's still here. I didn't know he had a son in Clemens, so um, that's the, cool. the shout out to Versailles Country Club member Jim Caldwell. I, I used to take – I took a couple golf lessons at the Golf Galaxy in Greensboro, and the guy that was giving them to me was giving golf lessons to Jim Caldwell at the same time in, like, 2017, 2018. 
It's wild. Small world. <laughs> yeah. So, and I guess he, he, he did explain a little bit more of his role. And I mean, he's just going to bounce around, honestly. And he's going to be, his hand is going to be in everything. So, um, you know, that's, that's really, that I can't say that enough, man, to have someone like Jim Caldwell being in every room that, that we have, you know, putting his two cents in, in, in every area of the organization and in the building, like you're, you're doing something right. If, if that, that's the case, um, you know, I, I, I hate to say that I shied away from wanting to have him as a head coach. Um, that's just I don't know. I, I thought he was I thought he might have been a little too old to be to be leading the franchise. Um and maybe that's a little short sighted of me, but I think overall, man, we ended up in a in a perfect situation. Sure, I I get that worry. Um but you look at just talk about the experience that you have on the offensive side of the ball now. It's this is not the uh, Panthers team coaching staff that we're accustomed to seeing. Corey, you've been pounding the table for years about getting an offensive guy in here. And then now you do, and you, you know, you, you look every which way and somebody's either, you know, worked with the development of a quarterback or they've called plays. I mean, we haven't talked about Parks Frazier yet. He took over as uh, offensive coordinator for the Colts last year when, when Frank uh, was fired. So, I mean, you have guys who have either played in the league, have played a uh, play calling experience um, or have, been a key part in quarterback development at some point in your career and you can't have enough of those guys on staff yeah and I mean with Caldwell you're getting a guy who went to the playoffs four of his seven years as a head coach had a over 500 record and that included the suck for luck year if I remember correctly where they almost went winless what was it one win uh, yeah, the Peyton Manning year is like well, two maybe. I, I, yeah. I don't remember the record off the yeah. top of my head. Oh, but over 500 win percentage with that awful season included four playoff appearances and won a Super Bowl as an assistant. And he made it to the Super Bowl as a head coach. Didn't didn't win one, but made it to the Super Bowl as a head coach. I mean, those are, that, those are important pieces to have around. 100%. And and you you add that on top of a Reich, on top of uh, a a guy in McCown who's been been to the playoffs, been the quarterback in this league for twenty years. It's just just a great staff. Yeah, and if if people are worried about you know losing coaches in upcoming cycles before we've even had a season or, or anything like that, um, I would tell you this: I think that this sets a this offseason has set a really exciting precedent. If we go through and have success, um, it's telling up-and-coming guys two things. It's telling up-and-coming guys, number one, um, Frank Reich as a head coach is willing to step outside of his comfort zone. And even if I have never met him or worked with him, I can go work with him and he's going to open his doors if I'm good enough. Number two, it's telling up-and-coming guys, if I want to go coach and use it as a springboard, I'm also going to get paid by Tepper because you can't tell me that Tepper didn't open up his checkbook for some of these guys. So if you have a head coach in place who's going to be willing to 
not just bring his buddies in, is going to step outside of his circle and find the best group of men to lead a team. And then an owner backing that with a checkbook, that's a recipe for long-term success. And if we can find our quarterback, if we can become that consistent winner, uh, I think this has a lot of staying power for, for the longer haul with attracting the big name coaches and the young up and coming guys. Um, and what you've seen Frank Reich built is this mixture of new school, new innovative styles, Evero, uh, Thomas Brown, and mixing it with like the old school, Jim Caldwell, Deuce Staley, like people who've been there and done that. And it's a great mix of, of both perspectives. And I think ultimately it's going to lead to, to massive success the amount of knowledge that's on staff, but just between just between Dom Capers, Jim Caldwell, Frank Wright, I, I, I mean, those three right there, I mean, how many years of coaching experience or, or and playing experience is just out of those three guys? And, and that's something we haven't had. Not only is this, I'm going to say it, the, the best coaching staff that we've had probably in franchise history, you know, just from the outside looking in and, and the pedigree that these guys have, but you know, it. I mean, it's the most diverse staff that we've had from, from top to bottom, you know, regardless of, of looks, age, uh, you know, background, it's, it's got a little bit of everything. And I think that's kind of what Dave got sold on previously with all these new things. And, you know, the, the grand seven year plan that Matt rule had and sold him on and all the um, sports science and things that they wanted to do. Yeah, it, it didn't work out, but you know, I think this is kind of more in line of like what, like I said, like what we anticipated having a very wealthy owner would be like. And I don't think that he had to outbid necessarily uh, other teams. If that was the case, then Vic Fangio probably would have ended up here, uh, regardless of how that shook out. I think a lot of guys just like Frank and, you know, all it takes is one or two guys to buy in before you start kind of catching the attention of the other top candidates and, you know, like a, a Giro Evero and Thomas Brown, they see this as an opportunity to really kind of showcase what they can do and, you know, hope it catapults them to a head coaching job moving forward. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's, I just lost every train of thought I had. <laughs> uh, I had I had a, I had something very insightful to say too. There, um, I mean, you, you started it with the Matt Rule line, so, <laughs> so I don't know if that played a part. Oh, uh, I got, I, it came back to me. It's back back to Rivera days. He was loyal to a fault. He kept the 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 same guys around him, his buddies, his friends, his his coaching tree around him. And that, and he was, that was part of his downfall. He did, he did not want change. He had, he kept that same core around him. And then you see with Matt rule, bringing in his buddies, his core, it is refreshing to see Frank Reich do literally the opposite to go get the best fit for the job. No matter if they, he's even ever had a conversation with the person before. I, I mean, cause there, you can't tell me that Frank Reich and, and Thomas Brown have, have been in, in the same room together often if ever right i mean and you know you only jim caldwell said he came to the quarterback summit that they do and that's the only time that they've ever really been around each other um and he had nothing but you know high praise to say about him um 
and from the, from the sounds of it, apparently they've, you know, I, I guess the beats and the insiders didn't have as much information as they thought because apparently they were interviewing like six and seven guys per per position group. So I don't, I don't know who those names were that that we were interviewing, but you know it was a thorough process. It wasn't like we just you know honed in on a couple guys for each position. Um, I, you know Frank's apparently been at the facility from like 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. every single day for the past two weeks interviewing people. Um, so, I mean, that's freaking awesome. I mean, it's just, just awesome. I don't, it's, I don't have anything bad or negative or anything to say. So, um, and if you guys want to go to the defensive side of the ball, we can do that. Yeah, if if this is the type of collaborative effort that I'm going to get out of Frank and Scott working together, then sign me up. I am I am just fine with however this offseason shakes out. This is how things are going to go. Shifting gears a little bit, Corey, like you mentioned, uh, focus on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, any name in particular we want to touch on? I know when we last left off, we touched on uh, a Jiro Everose hire, and since then we've added a, a couple pieces um, like Todd Wash and – outside linebackers coach in uh, Tim Lakabu, who was a former defensive coordinator at Boston College. Uh, Peter Hansen uh, is coming over um, from the Denver Broncos. Uh, what name stands out to you, Corey? Um, there's a couple. Um, sorry, I had to check if I unmuted myself. There's a couple um, that, you know, uh, D, I, I, the number one hire for me this entire time has been Evero, and you've looked and kind of sat back and watched him build this defensive staff. And um, he too, I guess, stepped out of his zone. I mean, there is some comp, there is some Broncos guys. Um, you look at a guy like um, Burt Watts, who I mean, is Tommy Trimble's uncle, apparently. Who knew that? But um, you know, when I'm looking at this defensive system. Um, and I'm looking towards the future because we won't have Evero. If we have Evero for two years, I'll be happy. I'll, I'll be ecstatic if we have him for two years. So looking at the future, I, I think you need someone coming from that secondary background. So I look at a guy like Burt Watts, who is our safeties coach now. Um, that's a name for me that when he got hired, I dug into – and apparently he's he's on the short list for uh, a lot of NFL front offices that could eventually go on and be a, a defensive coordinator. He was a hot name in the up-and-coming circuit of young up-and-coming potential coordinators. So um, that's a guy I'm, I'm going to keep my eye on and, and, and see how that progresses. Um, I don't have, you know, anything negative. Another guy that I, I really like is Todd Wash. Um, you know, he was a defensive coordinator for the Jaguars for three seasons, and he's a defensive line coach now. And um, when he was a defensive coordinator, you know, those were some some top defenses. So that he knows what he's doing, and you've got him as a D-line coach. So uh, excited for that coming over from the, the Lions for really a lateral position, which is wild to me that, that, that we were able to – to get him to, to come down here from, from what they're doing up in Detroit. I don't know what all went into that, or, you know, we'll probably never know behind the scenes what, what went into that decision, but you're getting a, a, a huge quality guy uh, on the defensive line, which, um, you know, we have 
we have some players on the defensive line, but at the same time, you, you want to see some guys on that defensive line take the next step. You know, guys like Derek Brown, Brian Burns, you want to see them get pushed over that hump to be, you know, the first rounders uh, live up to that pedigree that we drafted him for. So that's a guy I'm, I'm really excited for as well, um, just with his pedigree and, and where he's coming from. Um, he, he did a phenomenal job with Aiden Hutchinson last year, a guy that I did not think would be as good as he was coming out. Um, maybe that was short-sighted of me, but, you know, you, you can't deny what, what he ended up producing up there in Detroit. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, Todd Wash. I mean, I think it's something to kind of keep in the back of your mind, depending on how the offseason shakes out. But a name that comes to mind is someone like uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Um, you know, he, that's somebody who Todd Wash has worked with and also has played uh, in Indianapolis under Frank there. So not saying that that's a direction that we'll go, but I, I just find that interesting. Um, it's a position of need, and it's uh, obviously one of the bigger names out there who has a connection to some of the guys on staff. Yeah, for me, the the defensive name that sticks out and and is D'Angelo Hall. I, I think I, I really like that hire. It's fourteen years of NFL cornerback co- experience to to pair alongside JC's elite talent to to just help him get to the even the next level. And we we all we all are high on JC. We know where he what what he can do. Um, but that that pairing along with just I mean, can he can he fix Dante if if that Achilles is ever is, um, or can he help fix Dante if that Achilles ever uh, heals itself? Can can he help with some of the other young guys in in the secondary and, and get them to the next level? That that that's a name that that stood out to me. That's a good good mention there with uh, Dante because D'Angelo actually suffered a torn Achilles in his career too. So uh, if anybody knows about coming back from it and uh, hopefully producing. You know, at the same level that they did once upon a time, uh, what better person than D'Angelo to to help him with that? So I, I you know, you good good point on that for sure. Uh, I mean, he's as an assistant DB coach, you know, so it's not like he's running the room, but right. it's a great spot for him to come in, get on his feet as a coach, coming from NFL Network, having that instant pedigree, having that clout with the players. Um, it's it's a good f- spot for him to launch his career and, and, and see how he develops as a coach um, under Evero and the staff. Um, and then I don't think you can under understate a guy like Dom Capers. You know, you got Jim Caldwell and then Dom Capers. Um, Dom Capers as a, as a as a senior analyst um, on the defensive side of the ball. Apparently, him and Evero are, are just like this. And to have a guy like that with all his defensive knowledge and um, kind of guiding things behind the scene with Evero and and giving his input into into on a week to week basis, I, I I just I don't see how we're not successful. <laughs> I, I really don't. Um, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself with with predictions or anything like that, but it's kind of hard to envision a scenario where we don't have an upper tier defensive unit and. Um, a, a different defensive unit from from what fans are, are used to seeing. And it's going to be some exciting stuff. And uh, I can't wait. Man, I cannot wait to get to training camp. I, I, I mean, I'm just stoked to to see this 
new wave uh, in a Panthers uniform. Uh, that's I get to watch it every Sunday. Stuff I've I've been studying and stuff that I, I've been you know watching from a distance for a long time. You know I get the privilege of, of watching it in a Panthers uniform every Sunday. And man, I'm I'm excited for the defense. I I, I really think the defense is going to be something fun to watch. It's like the Panthers finally caught up to the rest of the NFL, right? Right, right, exactly, exactly. And you know all the all the uh, homers and and you know mouth breathers that love smash mouth defensive mouth football, <laughs> they get they get their wish because it's, it's going to be you know it's going to be it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a, a really strong defensive team, but a really fun defensive team. And you know if if you know football and and and, and, and you know what I'm talking about. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. To, to kind of piggyback on that with you talking about smash mouth football and all that, I'll throw a, a quick name out there. Uh, Peter Hansen is a guy that I'm excited about and potentially would look at as a possible defensive coordinator down the line. But the work he did with the, the Broncos linebacking core and, and what kind of made that team and that defense so successful not team because offensive was a was a complete mess but defensively they were one of the best units on that side of the ball you know with Alex Singleton and Josie Jewell having career highs and tackles just kind of thinking about what that guy could do for a, a Frankie Louvu or at this point in his career you know Shaq um, and, Brandon Smith yeah yeah I mean the development of these guys and, and this, this guy's a bigger guy I mean Peter Hansen six eight so you you're not going to be able to, to miss him on the sidelines but I just kind of thinking that from a development perspective with some of these younger guys that we talk about, we're excited about their growth over the next couple of years. I, I think that, you know, these guys are in great hands on that, in that uh, position and, and on that side of the ball, uh, really expecting, a, a unfortunately, a, a bigger year from Frankie uh, coming up, you know, with him being a potential free agent after this year. So I'm sure he's going to end up making a, a hefty sum, you know, when it's time to get paid, but just excited to see the, the growth of these guys. And Brandon Smith is is somebody who, you know, fits that Thomas Davis mold uh, that we're used to seeing. And and I, I'm excited to see, you know, how the rest of his career pans out and a potential leap that he makes forward this year with, with this type of uh, coaching staff around them. But you guys got anything else you want to add before we uh, shift gears to today's presser? Just on Brandon Smith. Um, now he's got my early vote for, I think he's going to be something to watch next year in this system. Um, and I could be wrong, but um, I think that he's got the potential um, with his makeup, his athletic ability, his size. Um, you look at what the system did for a Josie Jewell, and Brandon Smith is, is a far superior athlete. So, um, you know, I, I see a similar role if he can, can fit, fit that. That's, that's my early prediction there. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the potential there. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, the Jim Caldwell and Frank Wright press conference when we come back, but, uh, first check out an ad from our sponsor. With the NFL season ending, what better time now than to get in on the NBA action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, place a same-game parlay for any NBA game. Even if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. So, download the 
app now and sign up with code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TPPN. All right, so today was Tuesday, and it was the first day that we have heard from anybody of the coaching staff since Frank Reich's introductory press conferences a few weeks back. Uh, Frank Reich and Jim Caldwell both met with the media this afternoon and answered some questions. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch Frank's, but I did catch the tail end of Jim Caldwell's. But uh, one of the things that I was reading back through on some, some quotes from the press conference was he said that him and Josh McCown looked at quarterback prospects last night for two hours. Said, and this was late at night, said uh, that he was getting ready to get out of there and Josh walked by his office and popped in. And I just picture the scene. If you've watched Scheme or any of the stuff that he's done with Josh Norris, I just picture him uh, giving Frank one of those breakdowns on a game of, of each of these guys like he's done before. But sitting there for, for two hours just going over film of, of some of these guys uh, that we'll be targeting in, in the – this year's draft. And I, I just thought that that was, that was funny. And he talked about, you know, he's, he's been in the building from literally 6 AM to 10 PM and not getting much sleep because of coaching hours. And Corey, you mentioned it earlier, you know, this tomorrow will be their first staff meeting as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently that, yeah, that's their first staff meeting is tomorrow. And he said they really hadn't even dove into the roster yet. Um, So um, the mentioning that meeting, like, dude, I don't do you understand what I would give just to like be a fly on the wall and just listen to that, not say a word, just listen to that dynamic. Um, I want to touch Josh's hair. I mean, I'm, it looks hard as a rock. I wonder how much gel he uses. I mean, that's that's, that's it, but I mean, just to just to sit in the corner and listen to the two of those guys break down this class and you know. So stuff like that to come out, it gets me super excited. I know we on this podcast have all talked about what we think is going to happen in the draft. So and we're going to get into that more in future episodes. But um, and that's exciting to hear, man. I mean, I'm shaking. I get giddy. Like, like give me that content. You don't even have to say who it is. Just give me that content. I think um, some of the things that you, you look at that – you can watch all this stuff on tape with, with the scheme and, and all the series that they've done together, but to, you know, get them together and just get more thoughts on what their plan is because things close to the vest as they should. And, and we've talked about this before, but I've got to be disappointed at this, at this point, if they don't move up to number one, I think all signs are headed in that direction and that's where we want to go. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out and where their rankings are on who they prefer and who their guy actually is. I mean, we all, you'll have different opinions. And I think kind of as a consensus, we'd be fine with, you know, any of the Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis group. Uh, and we all have preferences out of that. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm remove one of those names. Oh. Of course, of course, of course. You know, that's what it is. Anthony Richardson should re- should replace Will Levis if, if it was up to us on, on doing rankings. But like I said, we've made that very clear. I just wanted to get them kind of stirred up a little bit. <laughs> I, I was on mute. And my eyes just got as big as they possibly could. And I was like, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. 
sensitive <laughs> subject around here. Yes. You know, and I mean, you hear all this stuff like Frank Reich likes big QBs. Frank Reich likes this. Frank likes that. I mean, he just brought in a staff that he said can disagree with him. So, I mean, I think that's good, good stuff for my guy Bryce. It's good stuff, you know. Hey. Talk Frank into him. You never he, know. He did say he doesn't want a staff full of yes men. So, that might have been a shot at the previous regime. Uh, he did kind of – it was nice to hear him say it's it's not about me. It's all about the players. It's about the players. Um, I, it's just a breath of fresh air. It's not stuff that, that we've heard recently. So you kind of forget what a competent NFL coaching staff looks like in the day. I think we saw it on on full force. Yeah, and I think one of the things that, that I, I didn't get a chance to watch but I saw someone talking about a quote was he said something along the lines of 80 to 90% of the game is the players and the other – the, the remaining is the coaching and and that that coaching is what decides those those one possession games and if, if you take a look back at the previous tenure how many of those one possession games did we lose and and so that's just we we've we've all talked about how talented the roster could be yes there's holes there's been the the big glaring hole at quarterback but there's there's been talent on this roster for a while and we've been in a lot of close games and so to see this staff put around that is, is pretty exciting. And, and I've, I've said my fair share of things about some of the talent on this roster, whatever. Um, but it's, it's, they're still talented. They are talented. And I think the thing that stands out to me watching Frank Reich's press conference, the most that is refreshing is that there's part of my French, but there's no bullshit with it. You know, it's it's yes, there's coach speak because you, you you have to have coach speak, but it's very direct and it's straight to the point and there's no fluff. It's not trying to sell some BS program or you know, trying to be buddy buddy or any of that nonsense. No, he's like you you you, you trust the guy. I, I mean, like I trust him. Like, well, I don't know him. I've never met him. I've never been in the same room with him. But I trust him just watching him and it's sincere and it's it's real. It's not fake. There's no fakeness to him. And it's evident in the two times that I've watched him speak for as a Panther and then going back and watching Colt stuff, you, you know, you see the genuineness to him. And it's it's really awesome and it's it's really refreshing. And it, it makes me like think to myself, man, you really don't know shit because he wasn't even on your on your first list of coaching stuff. I, 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 I He wasn't even on my radar, I mean, to be honest, when it came to the, the hiring cycle. So um, what do I know, though, right? We, we got our guy. Yeah, uh, I think the big thing is, is it's not a guy that's going to get up there and just make excuses up. He's going to take accountability, and he's not going to – you know, say, well, we need to watch film first or, you know, whatever the, the bullshit is. Point blame at, at a player that you really have no idea what was going on and you just want to want to put the blame on somebody else. So it's nice to see a little bit of accountability, having some adults around. And I, I think Frank's done nothing but kind of win the area back over. A lot of people, you know, weren't happy with the hire initially. I think we, we've kind of touched on that in detail. They, they preferred Steve Wilkes. I think Frank's done everything to kind of say, hey, um, you know, he made the right call and I'm putting together a hell of a staff. And you know, this he wasn't given the best of circumstances in Indianapolis. And still, I think he did pretty okay with with the revolving door at quarterback. I mean, he took 38-year-old Philip Rivers, you know, 
almost uh, what winning a playoff game or beating the Bills. Yeah, um, in Buffalo. So, like I said, just I, he keeps coming off very impressive. The hiring and uh, the coaching staff he's putting together is very impressive. So far, he's doing all the right things and saying all the right things. So at at this point, compared to what we're used to, blowing ex- expectations out of the water so far. Yeah, and it's been super awesome to see some of those credentialed reporters and other various Twitter personalities come crawling back. What are you talking about? That's, that's only, that don't <laughs> exist. There, it's, it's really it's, eating their words a little bit. And, it's been wiped from the internet. <laughs> it's it's gone just like that, and it's gone. Uh, no, I, I loved Frank Reich. What are you talking about? I was, I was, I was all for Frank Reich. I don't, yeah, I don't know him and him and Tep, him and Tepper have just built this incredible staff full of just the right hires and uh, Malik Willis's uh, first round draft pick. Both of those things are true to these people. Yeah, they're true. They just existed back in 2021, 2022. <laughs> yeah, they're 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 gone. Maybe Elon can pull up deleted tweets at some someday <laughs> if Twitter's still around at that point. I'm just. You know, like it's it's kind of funny, and to to go back for the for the few groups of Twitter personalities we we're referring to, and you you type in Malik Willis and them in the search bar, and it's like, man, I know that y'all had way more than three tweets with the name Malik Will- Malik Willis in it last offseason. Driving they, the train, where'd they all go? Driving the train, and then all that first that first hiccup. You throw for like 49 yards passing in a game. Uh, Got to go scrub those. Got to do a deep dive. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, but back to Frank a little bit. Um, like I said, he he's just doing all the right things, saying all the right things. He's putting the right people around him. Um, Tepper's staying in the background and just writing checks and, and, and doing what he's supposed to. He's, he's turning it over to Scott and Frank, and they're going to work at this uh, collaboratively and, and go about it together. And, man, I'm – I, I'm excited for the season and, and we've got a long way to go and I don't you know want that disappointment to come, but I, I think we're, you know, we're, we're kind of all that recovering uh, pessimism that that's kind of where we're at now. We're, we're trying to recover from the Matt rule error. I'm going to ask both you guys a question that was asked earlier, uh, maybe a month ago uh, on this very same podcast. And my, my answer got a little bit of mixed reaction. With this coaching staff now complete, what are your expectations for the 2023 Panthers at this current moment? NFC South champions. Hmm. 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 Who had that answer? Who had that same answer? (laughs) I mean, you know, it's all roads are leading there, but I still want to see who I still want to see who we end up drafting. Um, If if we're in a division with Desmond Ritter. Derek Carr and Kyle Trask. Uh, it don't yeah. matter who we draft. Yeah, I, I mean, really, that I mean that would suck not to win the the division if that's what we got to go against. And there, and at that point, there's no Michael Thomas, and, and there may not be an Alvin Kamara down there. Yeah, that's yeah. Things are getting real squirrely in NFC South. You, you guys are right, and and I think by the time the draft's over and you know free agency's over and we get into it, like. I do think that you know we are going to be everybody's favorite to win the NFC South, and it's going to be on this coach's staff to go out and do that. So, um, what could 
what could happen with this coach with with this coaching staff and this roster core we already have what move or combination of moves do you think could happen that would change your mind to say shit now i'm disappointed uh it's it's not going to happen so for anybody out there that that still believing that they're going to go and sign Derek Carr that's that's not going to happen I, I there there's no way that they're going to offer him 30 million plus a year to come be a quarterback here when all signs are pointing to them drafting their guy and developing i think yeah, I, would, that- I, I would be i would be I would be pretty, pretty disappointed if we go out and sign Derek Carr, because if we go out and sign Derek Carr, what that says to me is you're okay just winning the division this year, getting into the playoffs. It's kind of like the Hornets. You know, you're just okay getting to the playoffs. That's what a Derek Carr signing says to me. It says you're not serious about going to the Super Bowl. All you care about is, is winning more than we normally do and getting to the playoffs because that's all you're going to get with Derek Carr. Uh, um, you can miss me with anybody saying anything different. If, if you sign Derek Carr, you're okay with just making the playoffs, maybe winning a game in the playoffs. Carr's probably the only the only option for me that I would not be okay with. So, like, say by some miracle they would trade for Aaron Rodgers after his darkness retreat and all that that BS. I don't think Packers are even going to trade him to the NFC, but hey, fine, you, sure, whatever. You, I, one of the one of those two's a jet, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, that there's zero percent, zero chance of Aaron Rodgers coming here either. I don't think that that's a. I just I don't think that that's a dude that this staff's like. Yeah, man, let's go get. Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't no, seem yeah. to I, I, all right, I'll, too well with the staff. I'll pose this one then. Sorry, this is just a bunch of hypotheticals here. Derek Carr at thirty million or Danny Dimes at forty-five million a year. <laughs> I'll take the bullets and the gun. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's, I'll, I'll take that's another year of Sam Darnold. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at with that. No, um, the only the only other interesting piece that's that's going to fall this offseason is. Lamar Jackson and if they non-exclusively tag him that is the only that is the only player I can see them saying we're going to go all in on it and you know it's going to be a bidding war but the good thing is it's it's just going to be from a a contract number it wouldn't be what you would have to give up because if you sign anybody on a non-exclusive you only have to give up two first round picks and I say only have to give up two first round picks obviously that's nothing but if you believe somebody like a Lamar Jackson, a former MVP, is your franchise guy, you 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 go after him and you give up those two picks and you have your guy going forward. So, now, so, for so, so clarify that for me, Matt, real quick. Clarify that for me. Which, which you, part? You only have to give up two first rounds, is it? Yeah, so if, if you not exclusively tag them, two first round picks is what you give up and you sign them to whatever deal. And the exclusive tag is you, you basically – you, you Well, well – they have his rights, and what happens is it it'll turn into a sign and trade if they exclusive tag him. Right. Is what'll happen there. They'll you'll you'll be negotiating a trade for Lamar to sign the contract you're willing to pay, and then what you're willing to give up. If the if they want more than two first for him, that's how they're going to do it. They're, it's going to be a sign and trade. If they want, if they're fine with just getting two firsts and then letting everyone just bid on him, then they'll do the non exclusive. And the the figure is higher on the exclusive and not the non-exclusive. So if they 
they don't want to have that cap hit or that cap cap number on their book and just want it to play out with the whatever it is these days, 35 million, 40 million, somewhere in that range on what the tag is, uh, then they'll go to non-exclusive because it's cheaper for them, but they also run the risk of him negotiating with another team. And he says, I'm, I'm going to them. And there you go. He can negotiate it. But uh, to put some perspective to, to just two firsts for Lamar, it's going to take you two firsts top of nine, most likely to get up and get the guy you want this year. So do you, do you want nine and two firsts to get Shroud, or do you want two firsts for Lamar and pay him basically Deshaun's deal? Probably going to reset the quarterback market, you would think, with trying to push for that guaranteed money and, and the owner's not – owner's going to be pissed at whoever gives it to him, I, I feel like. I feel, I think that's the direction that this is headed, and that's just me just kind of gathering all the reporting out there. It seems like – after he saw the Deshaun deal, he's like, you know, that's that's what I want. That's the deal that I want. That's what he's holding out for. He doesn't have an agent. He's, he's his own agent. So, you know, it's just going to be like who's willing to give him, say, $250 million guaranteed and give up two first-round picks. You know, that's kind of where we're at with, with the Lamar situation. Me? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, to an extent, yes, but also – I mean, someone said it in a tweet the other day. You've, there's there's several, there's a few different quarterback situations you can be in the NFL. You can have Patrick Mahomes. You can be overpaying someone who isn't Patrick Mahomes. You can be taking a chance on somebody you draft. Uh, I can't, there was one other mediocre situation, and then it's like you could uh, overpay the wrong guy. Or you can um, just go settle for medi- mediocre, like right in the middle. And I would fifty would forty five million a year to be an overpay for someone like Lamar. I don't think so because you know we've is we've we've had better weapons than Baltimore. Right, but what 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 is our cap situation? I mean, we can't fit forty five million in our current cap, and we still have holes. Like, how do you build around a? And and I said this with Danny Dimes. You certainly can't build a, a Super Bowl roster with 40, with paying Dan, Daniel Jones $45 million. And it's really tough to do it with anyone being paid $45 million a year. It's, it's There's 56 roster spots. If you pay $45 million to one of them and then another 20 to DJ and another 15 to Moten, you've got like $2 million per spot to play with there. It's tough. It's tough. For sure is. So it's going to be interesting to see which direction we go in and whether it's going to be the draft or whether one of these dominoes fall. But I think, like I said, we get off track, but Derek Carr is the only one I see that's that's got me being like, eh, we're – Will Levis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to touch on the, the, the draft guys because I want to give you know Will a, a fair shot. That way I can't say that any preconceived notion that I have on the guy is, is coming through, but – Hey, I'm, I'm at the hope, point where I'm just really, going to trust Frank and the staff. Yeah, yeah. We don't, draft picks. We've got enough experience where they – this isn't, you know, bringing in um, – well, no, I'm, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we, we've, we've got enough experience on staff where I would trust these guys and I would trust what they see on the field and on the tape, especially somebody who has, you know, already been watching that previously with – you know, Scott and Dan going out to games last year and then this, the work that Josh did this offseason, 
um, before he got into coaching. Look, man, whoever it is, I, I'm going to have complete faith in. Now, if they give up, you know, two first-round picks and a haul for to move up to one to get Will Levis, then, buddy, he he better be he better be everything <laughs> and brother, more. That's brother, the Duke's mayonnaise commercial. <laughs> he just put that twang in it. Yeah, put that twang on it. He better be something. That better be Andrew Luck walking in from from Kentucky. That better be F one fifty Twitter rolling down the highway. Can you, ma- can you imagine how much Bojangles that that dude can eat? Oh, man. Hey, <laughs> I'm just excited. I would be excited for like I said, nonstop Duke's mayonnaise commercials. <laughs> just instant day one sponsorship. Dukes, Nothing man. says Dukes like Levis. <laughs> oh, man. All right, switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about the Jim Caldwell presser uh, before we get off on any more tangents here. Uh, but Jim Caldwell, Corey, you mentioned some of uh, his, his work. Uh, and and like he said today, that he's kind of done chasing NFL head coaching opportunities. He's just going to support Frank in this role the best that he knows how and the best that he can. Said he hadn't had a chance to look at the roster yet to give any in- input on uh, – key positions didn't have any critique of Dave Tepper I thought that line was was pretty funny uh he said I don't think anybody would would want to criticize their boss so I, he he did a good job sidestepping that if anything he's going to be a treat in uh in press conferences this year but overall Corey anything stand out to you um today you or Wes just like I said earlier man just how articulate he is you can just he just exudes like quiet confidence like just seems like i could listen to him and he could teach me something for like hours and i would just be enthralled with it just like this dude's forgotten more about football than you know most of us will ever know um and to be in the role he's in like that's just invaluable you know i mean that's you know if you if you've been around a group of alpha males that are football coaches if you've been in on a staff of any kind at your job or a team at your job you know how it can get with people and ideas and directions and to have that like calming steady voice that just is always going to have the best interests and not his own interests in mind what's the best route for the team to have that common denominator that that voice in the room to kind of steady the shit um, as a team with him and Frank and Dom. I mean, that's a freaking godfather type trio right there, you know, of old school dudes that just, you know, been around the block and can, can, you know, there's no situation that you're going to present to them that they probably haven't seen before. So, you know, I feel great with that trio of, of men game planning, you know, behind the scenes. I think it's in, in, talk, in terms of staff cohesion. I mean, it's just, like, I can't say enough, man. I would just give anything to just sit and listen and just be a sponge in that room. Like that, that's just like a dream of like, I would just give anything. One of the things he said today in his press conference was, it doesn't take the players long to figure out uh, whether you're a phony or not. Talking about being authentic, and I think that kind of resonates, obviously, with the the previous, like I said, another potential shot at the the previous regime uh, that was here trying to be buddy-buddy and 
if you listen to a lot of the players in the locker room talk about the guys walking around with headphones in while coaches are trying to talk to them and not really getting on to them. So it's it's going to be a no-nonsense coaching staff and locker room. And the guys like Jim Caldwell, Dom Capers, Frank Reich, you know, the old school little holy triumvirate, if that's what you, you want to refer to them as, just guys who know what the old school NFL is like and is not going to take your shit. No, man, they're like – the like the old school mafia like the bosses this is freaking awesome it's a, it's a cool persona you know uh and you the, it, in watching the Caldwell press conference too it's like listening to that clown show we had for the past couple of years and how he would just talk and talk himself in circles and talk himself into traps from reporters and you know watching Frank uh, sorry watching Jim Caldwell like sidestep questions and and kind of back out of questions in a in a in a in a, in a great way while still giving you some some content still still touching on it and in a comical way was was really cool and uh, again just a, a, a change from from what we're used to yeah and and you both hinted on it with a guy like Jim Caldwell, when he walks in, into an NFL locker room, into an NFL meeting, into any NFL setting, he just immediately gets the respect of everyone around him because he has just so much knowledge. He's been around for so long. He's been a coach. He's soaked it all up from some of the greatest out there. Um, and, and I mean, Reich's the same way. So much, just a wealth of NFL knowledge. And, and that's just a just totally different from before you like uh, I, I, I think you we all know and we don't have to keep I'd, I'd love for a day for us to not mention the previous regime one just one podcast I'd love to get past it but um it's just it's such it's it's refreshing to to be in a situation like this where you've got coaches that you respect not child not a man child who tweets emojis um, all day long. So one day we'll treat he who shall not be named like he's Jimmy Clausen. We, we, we don't talk about Clausen anymore. Exactly. So that, thankfully that's what he'll be. That's where he'll be relegated to eventually. Hey, I, 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 I'm closer to it than I think if we get up to one and we draft my, my guy, I'll never, I might not ever say his name again at just from that moment forward. (laughs) There you go. I think, that a common theme, and I have a Colts fan, a diehard Colts fan that I work with, and in interacting with other Colts fans online, like the common theme, like nobody has a negative thing to say about Frank Reich. I've not heard one negative thing said about Frank Reich. And when you talk about his failures, if you want to call it that, in Indianapolis, it's never – well, Frank really screwed this up. It it's always there's always a caveat. There's always an over explanation for for what happened, and it kind of always takes the onus off of Frank Reich, other than the Carson Wentz thing. But I've touched on that. You know, it, it, that was a no brainer. If you're the Colts, I, I, in my opinion, it was a no brainer for them to to bring in Carson Wentz in their situation that they were in with their roster. Um, in their QB situation. So um, I don't see myself ever like saying, man, we really messed up hiring Frank Reich. I, I don't think that that appears to be 
the case. And I don't, I don't foresee a, a, a possibility of that happening. I, I think he's a, a genuine dude and, and he's our coach now. And it feels good to say that, you know, Frank Reich is ours. And that's a world I never thought I'd be in. But, man, it's – I love I love this crazy, stupid, just wild game that we all love. It's just so, so much – so much at fun, man. I just – I love it. There's still And there's still a very, very real possibility that, that Frank Reich could never lead this team to a Super Bowl and it still be – a good hire and the right hire because of the direction the it, it, he takes. If you only he's only here four years, whatever the franchise goes in the right direction. But the the reason the last one was such a wrong hire is just the direction the franchise was headed because of it. And and not I mean obviously not every coach you ever hire is going to win you a Super Bowl, but some of them could be still good hires. And I, I see that even with with Frank. If we even if we don't win a Super Bowl, we can win divisions. We can make the playoffs. We can move the franchise in the right direction and it yeah. was it wasn't before uh, yeah i think we can be pretty realistic and say that you know we're not just in favor of this hire because we're fans and you know we uh, you know frank wasn't any of our guys like initially when, when the list came out you know it was a, a name that i floated around last year uh just briefly that i don't really don't think either anybody was in favor of you know with what we expected and then talk about his time in, in Indianapolis and, and some things that I feel like are things that worked in his favor. He inherited a shitty situation right off the bat. He, he came in and he, Josh McDaniels, before he, you know, suddenly backed out on his deal, he had already hired people on the defensive side of the ball. And so Frank honored those hires and kept them on there and then still had success with it. Still, you know, actually made the playoffs, um, a couple years into his tenure there. And, and he did it with a, like I said, a 38 year old Philip Rivers and a broken down Andrew Luck, who you know was ready to be an architect and go live out in the woods somewhere. The Carson Wentz thing, it wasn't even really that bad, to be honest. I mean, you look at his numbers and he had 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. If you ask any of us, I'm pretty sure we would have took that any of the last three years. Yeah. So I, I think that, you have to look at the whole situation when you try to examine somebody's history. And like I said, if, if we didn't think that this guy was, was good, we mean, we would be very honest with you and, and let you know about our feelings on it. Like we have every step of the way. So I, I think that, you know, not only with you know, everything Frank's done, but the the staff that they're putting around him and, you know, what he brings to the table and hopefully, hopefully securing a franchise quarterback this off season, this has been the most pivotal off season in franchise history. And what, maybe ever potentially this is a big one because all that momentum we built from the Rivera era there and with cam it was torn down and then some you know from the last regime so just to kind of get that momentum back and then make an impact right away with these big names and potentially getting that that franchise guy under center the i feel like the franchise now as a whole is headed mm, in the right direction and then some like now you're talking about this could potentially be one of the best staffs in the NFL, not just in the NFC South. We went from a place that was not a destination that anybody wanted to go to by all reports. And a couple months later, that's completely flipped. I mean, like I said, I mentioned it before, but hell of a job by everybody involved on this. Yep. 
and I can't say it enough and we're going to hit on it ad nauseum for the next two months. But, you know, if you, if you get this QB, right. Yeah. It, it, there, there's a big ceiling, <laughs> you know, if you, if you get it right, there's, there's nothing that's out of reach. So, um, I hope there's a lot more conversations <laughs> between Josh and, um, you know, it's already started today um, with the the tweet that was reported that we were one of the teams that spent a lot, a lot of time with Hinton Hooker. And guys, let me say this. If you're listening and you see those reports, they are going to do that with every single quarterback in this draft class. We are going to be linked to them all because we are going to do our due diligence on every single one. So don't get excited or dismayed when you see Hinton Hooker or however you feel about the prospect, uh, it, they're going to do them all. They're going to send the full regalia to all the pro days. You know, we're going to be out in force. So it, it, there, this, is a, this is a big offseason. This is a, a big decision. And I think they're going to do everything in their power to make sure it's the right decision, whatever it may be. Couldn't agree more. I mean, really. This is uh, it. You're going to be linked to everybody. And look at the San Francisco 49ers, by example. They just they took Brock Purdy with the last pick in the draft. and He ends up being their starter in the playoffs and, and the later half of the later half of the season. So I will say to some extent that it's not the worst idea to ever like, you know, take swings, you know, in the rounds instead of drafting you know, a long snapper. Uh, or you know somebody like that, you know, in the sixth or seventh round, instead of taking yeah, a quarterback so. who could uh, shout out JJ Jansen, man. Just yeah, man. yeah he's back. JJ I mean, hanging around, man. You're, pro- you're proving the doubters wrong. Somebody tried to come take your spot and look at you. You got you, you, you coming? You coming? You outlast them both. Hats off to you, JJ. That that record gets a little bit longer. Man. I wonder That's if Fletcher's still team. walking. He ain't got here yet. <laughs> man, Rat Rat Mule picked him up on his way to Nebraska, and they're headed out there. Unbelievable! Oh my goodness! But yeah, JJ Jansen resigned. Happy to have him back, man. Just been a a great pro. Great to have here. Interesting. On that same note, though, are we gonna get that Bradley Bozeman uh, notification anytime soon? Um, I would expect. You know, you look at the hints of we're about to dive into the roster. Right. So I'm assuming that those are going to start trickling in in the coming weeks. His wife's liked several of my tweets asking her and him to stay. So um, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe we just need to get them on. Them. Just need to get one one or both on here one day then. Let's, let's just – Let's just send them a tweet. Then they're they're active. They they love. I mean, at the end of the day, they both like seem ourselves. to love. They they seem to love the Charlotte community, and that that I mean, that's just as important as how good of, he's been on the field to me. It just it's it's awesome to see. They had their they had their first kid here. Um, they I mean, just by all accounts, great people. Yeah, it, it, James Campen basically was what sold him on coming to Carolina. He took less money to come here. Hey. Bradley, you, you wasn't good enough to start early on in the season. Just a heck of a story. I mean, you know. <laughs> if, if you want to go pull the receipts, Bradley, we we, we said been, from day we one. Favor. Yes, we wanted you in the starting lineup from day one. Day freaking one. What do we know? Look at us. Oh, we've. Uh, I'm just going to do this before we 
go on a 20 minute tirade like we're used to at the end of these episodes. Final thoughts. Fuck Matt Rule. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, I'm going to keep saying it and, and I'm going to keep saying it, but just hats off, Mr. Tepper. Hats off, dude. Like, you listened to what your fans were saying. Um, now, listen to your players with the turf situation because JC said something about that the other day on the podcast. So that's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. I keep hoping that goes away, but it's it's not going to. Don't so, ask the coach about that, please. Yeah, don't ask the coach about that. But hats off, Mister Tepper. Um, you put your you you put your money where your mouth was and uh, proved. A lot of people wrong, um, at least in the hiring process. So um, bravo to you. Um, Frank Reich is my coach, and he's got to stand in me for the foreseeable future. So excited to have him here. Excited for Panther football. Keep freaking pounding and – the draft can't come quick enough. So excited for the um, for the breakdowns. Um, if you guys are loyal followers, you know how our draft coverage is. And we are going to, you know, do our best to go above and beyond with, with, with draft stuff um, in the coming weeks and months. Hey, Panthers Twitter, we did one thing this offseason. Got through the big tip. And Big Tep's on Twitter. They got tired of all the shit talking that was out there. What's that? What's that? That that graph? Fuck around and find. Fuck around and find out. Yeah. How much you have to fuck around <laughs> before you find out? Tep said, "Fuck around and find out." Yes. I'd love to know the burner oh, yeah. ad. I'd love to know that ad on that burner. Just. Yeah, because he doesn't use his real one because it's got, like, no tweets on it and all, all that. So I know he's out there. You know he's searching his name. He's searching Panthers. He's searching probably the other jackass. Um, but, Dave, way to get back in touch. Do Hope we get this- some sort of – do you think that Dave Tepper builds, like, a, you know, the penis pool fuck you to Matt Rule? <laughs> no, nah, he just he just has to own that one. He just has to eat that one. And I think that that's why he's trying to like wipe him from the face of the earth. Like he's he's trying to just make everybody forget about that that was a thing. He's like, "You know what? Yeah, I fucked up coming in, but but look what I built. Look what you I You know did. what he should you know what he should do? Donate to the boosters of all of their like top, yeah. of, of all of all of Nebraska's top rivals just donate like a million to each of them each of their NIL funds or some shit. Yeah. I <laughs> should be donating shit. Matt Rule should be I just want him to be like back. I just want him to be like I just want him to somehow in a press conference be like, you know, I guess he just you know wasn't OOU enough for for us. <laughs> now you could tell uh, as, as pissed as he got in like the uh when he would get asked about him and, and all that stuff after the firing. No, nah, you could tell that struck a nerve, and he's pissed about everybody talking shit that he ran this franchise in the ground. And he's a failure. Doesn't know this guy is competitive. He's a self-made billionaire. You don't think he's got here coming for blood? That's what I'm saying. Like number one draft pick, I I would whatever the odds are out there, it's put some money on Carolina because I feel like that's where we're headed right now. And if if Scott works out a deal, he takes it to Dave. Dave said, "Fuck yeah, do that." 
and and that's it. That's the only thing he's got left to do a complete, um, I wouldn't say rebuild, but uh, improve the image of the Carolina Panthers. I think that if 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 Dave is going to have that persona that everybody has him as is like the meddling owner. This is the one time I'm going to be like, you know what, Dave, time to meddle. Like, yeah, lay, the, down, lay down the law. Go to one. Make it happen. I don't care. Don't give up, you know, a king's ransom of four or five first-round picks. But, you know, be realistic about this. Be aggressive. Put your balls on the table and go get your guy. That's, yeah. that's where we're at. That's the last thing we need. Bring, mm-hmm. bring CJ home. Bring uh, – Bryce. <laughs> Will Levis. The mm. first one. The first one. CJ. Yeah. Man, like you're trolling us. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I will I'm give sorry, him. I'm trying to wonder. Or, I, no, no. I, I will give him a fair shot. I'm going to screen record the pod with Matt being a big Will Levis stand after this. And in about a year, I'm going to drop a, a, a soundbite after. Jeez, please, don't. <laughs> please don't. I will I can launch myself into the sun. <laughs> don't need that floating around out there. Uh, big, big Will Levis guy. Yeah. I can't say I know ball quote unquote. I can't. Do your notes match JT Sullivan's? Ain't nobody taking no fucking notes. <laughs> Damn, that's cold. Shots fire. Oh man, it's time yeah. to end this. Yeah. Awesome, Appreciate you guys listening to this shit show of a podcast. Uh, follow, we, us. Uh, follow us on yeah, Twitter. No. I, I hope if you made it this far, I hope we kept you entertained. I appreciate everybody tuning in, listening to us each week. Uh, we try to provide a little bit of laughter here at the end every week. Um, but like I said, like uh, follow us, subscribe. Right now is a great time while you're listening. Just go ahead and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you get them, whether it be on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever these days. Um, Click subscribe, leave some feedback, five-star ratings. We'd really appreciate that. And as always, appreciate you guys tuning in. And until next time, we will see you guys. Later. Later.